0: Hi, this is Dave Pryor for Leading Agile Sound Notes. You're about to listen to a conversation that Dave Nicolette and I had recently about the definition of ready. The topic came about as a result of a few postings on definition of ready that were put out by Jeff Sutherland, Mike Cohn, and Michael James. The postings provoked some interesting discussions in the Agile space, and Dave Nicolette posted about that recently on Leading Agile's Field Notes. Dave and I discussed these postings during the podcast with the intent of adding our own thoughts on definition of ready and how it can help or hurt your organization. The podcast starts out with Dave offering an explanation of what Definition of Ready is, and he does it within the context of the leading agile model. He does a great job explaining it, and it's definitely worth your time. But just in case you're itching to jump straight to the debate, that begins at about 12 minutes in. I'm planning on putting up another post in a week or two about how to create a Definition of Ready, for those of you who don't actually have one. But in the meantime, I hope you'll enjoy this podcast on Definition of Ready with Dave Nicolette. Thanks hey this is dave Pryor. welcome to leading agile sound notes this week i have dave nicolette with me and before we get started dave i just want to ask are you ready to start
1: well uh the only way to find that out (laughs) is to start
0: yes so today we're going to be talking all about a definition of ready and what that means what that means in the context of leading agile and and some recent comments that were made online about it and both Dave and I kind of gravitated towards it, so I'm, I'm curious to see what happens when we get into this. But before we start, Dave, can you tell the folks who you are, and, and then after that, we'll get into the topic a little bit?
1: Okay. Well, I'm basically just a programmer. Uh, I work with <laughs> work for Leading Agile, where I'm helping to build up the technical side of their consulting
0: practice. I think you're a little more than just a programmer. A humble, a well, very humble programmer, maybe.
1: Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> when my right. programs are working well, then, then I'm a, a magnificent <laughs> programmer. Okay. Otherwise, I'm a humble one. All right. <laughs> so there's plenty of opportunity for humility.
0: <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about a definition of ready. And I one of the things that always surprises me in class is when I get to that topic, the definitions, the explanations people give me of what they think it means, I'm always surprised by. So... Um, how, how would you define a definition of ready?
1: Well, can we put some context around it, uh, based on leading Agile's model? Because I think that's relevant. Sure. Okay. So basically a definition of ready is a list of things that must be true before a team is able to begin working on a request. I know it's pretty generic recently. There's been disagreement in the agile community about the advisability of a definition of ready. People say it tends to build a wall between delivery teams and their stakeholders. They say the definition of ready is a substitute for collaboration. The real purpose is not to substitute for collaboration, but to facilitate collaboration. The definition of ready is not a formal barrier to interacting with a team that's defined in isolation from stakeholders. It represents a shared understanding of the state the work must be in before it can proceed to the next set of activities on the way to done. And the only way to feel confident that you have a shared understanding is through direct collaboration. So the goal of establishing a definition of ready actually drives collaboration. I think the main reason Agilists worry about the definition of ready is that they are visualizing a pristine Agile team a cross-functional team that owns the entire delivery and support process from end to end and that has ready access to key stakeholders for clarification of needs and acceptance of results. If that last point is true, then there's little need for formality around a definition of ready, and the Agilists are correct in that case. The problem is that's not a typical situation. Leading Agile works with a lot of larger established organizations that are a long way from that pristine agile model. It isn't realistic to flip a switch and suddenly institute the pristine agile model. These organizations have grown over time, both organically and through acquisitions, usually based on a utilization mindset. They collected similar skill sets and tools into specialized functional silos, thinking this was the way to achieve efficiency. In fact, efficiency is achieved by focusing on throughput rather than utilization. Value-producing steps, resources, and people have to be aligned with the value stream. In an organization that has multiple products and services, as well as back office support, this can translate into multiple operational models and use simultaneously in different parts of the organization. The simple, pristine, agile team model is not sufficient. Let's look at the Leading Agile Compass and Basecamp model for context, if we can. Now, I know this is only audio, but if you've seen the model, it's, like it's basically a quadrant model, but it's drawn as a circle, so we can call it a compass.
0: I will make sure to include a link to the, to the graphic in the show notes for the folks. Yeah, that listening. would be
1: good. That would be great. So we have organizational values on the horizontal axis, and the endpoints are predictive and adaptive. So predictive means the organization wants to meet commitments reliably. Adaptive means the organization wants to be able to adapt to change. And then on the vertical axis, we have customer-driven values. One end of that is convergent, which means all the organization's efforts converge toward a desired business capability, and emergent, which means the organization's efforts explore possibilities and discover solutions. So if you're familiar with Alexander Laufer's work on uncertainty, he and others examined the effects of uncertainty in construction projects back in the 90s, and they identified two types of uncertainty, means uncertainty and end uncertainty. Means uncertainty means that we know what we want, but we aren't sure how to get there from here. End uncertainty means we have a vision or a concept or a capability in mind, but we aren't sure what kind of solution will achieve that. The canonical Agile team model and canonical Agile methods are designed to deal with means uncertainty. So, they work really well in an organization that operates in the adaptive convergent quadrant in our model. It'll be helpful if you can see the picture. So the business goals and probably the requirements for any given software system are known. And the efforts of the teams are meant to converge on that solution. Meanwhile, the way to the goal may be uncertain. We need frequent feedback and course corrections to arrive at the destination. So we have the idea of time boxed iterations, what Scrum calls a sprint, in which delivery teams burn down a list of things to do, which is usually called a backlog. Somebody knows what's supposed to be in the backlog and is responsible for keeping it up to date. The team collaborates with that somebody to refine backlog items that are coming up in the near future. The iterations provide time markers for feedback and course correction. The iterations are the same length, which provides predictability for planning, review of work in progress, stakeholder feedback, and process improvement. So that works really well for operations that fall into the adaptive convergent quadrant. But we rarely find organizations that are already positioned to operate that way. For organizations in the predictive emergent and predictive convergent quadrants, the canonical, pristine, agile team model is just too difficult. It goes against the grain of the organization on a deep level. And for organizations that are in the adaptive emergent quadrant, which is basically the lean startup idea, the very same model is and would slow them down without adding any value. Organizations in the adaptive emergent quadrant have end uncertainty. They're probing the market continuously to identify what they need to do. Canonical agile methods don't help in that situation because there's no practical way to establish a backlog. What's needed is more like a series of experiments and the ability to pivot quickly at low cost. Definition of ready doesn't make much sense in that situation. But neither do concepts like a backlog, a time-boxed iteration, or a scrum master. So given that model, the compass model, let's consider what kinds of organizations might benefit from something like a definition of ready. We usually find large organizations operating in the predictive emergent quadrant. That means they're trying to be predictive about delivering commitments, but the solutions are emergent. So that's not really a viable model. It's chaotic, not the way Kenevan defines chaos, but just plain old chaos. It's lack of control. No one really understands what's going on. For those organizations, we start by moving toward predictive convergence That's what we call base camp one. It's like a, a mountain climbing metaphor. First, you have to go from complete chaos to some kind of a baseline. So the goals in base camp one are to become predictable, dependable, and accountable in making and meeting commitments. The goal is to deliver planned solutions on a predictable cadence. And you could say they're already predictable, and that you can predict it takes them two years to finish anything, but that's kind of a lazy definition. Large organizations begin with teams structured around functions or technologies. They'll have a design team, testing team, network team, infrastructure team, database team, and all of that. So the teams are not aligned with value streams or product lines. To get a piece of work through the delivery system, several or many teams must touch the work and no single team has a comprehensive view or full control over all the activities necessary to complete the work. Under those conditions, when a team receives partially completed work, that work has to be in a state that the team can act on. Otherwise, the work has to go backward and be revisited by one or more upstream teams before further progress can be made on it. So these backflows are one of the reasons the organization can't meet commitments in a predictable way. The siloed organizational structure is one of the reasons it's hard to find anyone accountable for anything that happens. The definition of ready is one of the tools we can use to mitigate the effects of the organizational structure, which is not aligned with the value stream, but rather with silos that have to hand work off to each other. And with regard to accountability, the definition of ready helps all interested parties understand where certain things happen in the delivery process and who is responsible for those things? This information is not known beforehand. In most cases that we, we start with, the organization really doesn't know what's going on. And this can all be relaxed as the organization progresses from base camp to base camp. They're generally moving across the bottom half of the model from predictive convergent to adaptive convergent, and maybe, if, it's, if it makes sense for the business, to the adaptive emergent quadrant. And on this journey, the definition of ready helps teams collaborate to understand one another's needs, as well as to clarify accountability and identify opportunities to simplify the structure and streamline the process. So the level of formality can be reduced gradually as the organization matures, the same way as other overhead activities can be relaxed or removed once the organization learns better ways to achieve the same goal. So I think the definition of ready can be useful, or maybe it's not useful. It depends on the situation. So out in the community, when people are debating this, they tend to take a binary position that definition of ready is always necessary or it's always bad. And I don't think that that's really understanding what's going on with it.
0: Well, wasn't it sort of one of the things that I I took away from, from Mike Cohn's post and, and, from MJ's comments uh, to Jeff Sutherland's post, which I'll include links to all this stuff as well, which you did in your blog post about it. Um, I I got the sense that there's a fear that it becomes like a stage gate like like from traditional project management, because there is sort of this lingering fear of traditional project management. But I started to think about different areas in my life where I have something like a definition of ready. I travel, all the time as you do as well and I have a checklist when I pack I know everything that goes in my suitcase but I always use the checklist anyway cuz I just want to make sure it's my way of confirming that it's you know re- that I'm ready to go I always think about definition of ready as the PO's way if we're talking about scrum the PO's way of making sure that they're not going to waste the team's time by asking them to work on stuff that isn't in an actionable state so to me yeah. It's Definitely. about, it's about a know, airline
1: pilots and surgeons,
0: all right. The airline checklists. thing I was, that's what I was thinking about was like, would you get on a plane if they were like, ah, oh, we don't need that checklist. We already know what we're doing. I'd be like, no, let me out. I mean, it, I don't, I don't agree with the, the argument that it's, it's all about traditional project management. I think it's a way of keeping yourself safe and just double checking.
1: Yeah, there is that. Uh, and I like to think of it as I was just saying in relation to our model. Yeah. When the organization is operating in a way that's so far off from the agile way that it doesn't make sense to ask the team to operate without some kind of a checklist like that because they do not have any input into all the other things that go into delivery. The, The typical software development team, they only have programmers and testers, and they may have an analyst They're not allowed to touch the infrastructure. They have no input into the decision-making process about which features are valuable. Yeah. So it really is a kind of a sequenced uh, process at that point. We want to move it more toward an agile process, but we can't just flip it instantly. And so as long as there are these sequenced steps and the teams are dependent on each other, each team has to understand what the downstream team needs from them. Yeah. otherwise it's just thrashing
0: but even if we were in a fully agile state i mean i don't i guess maybe it's it's a personal thing i'd be hesitant to give up definition of ready in the same way that'd i be hesitant to give up definition of done i mean to me they're just they're like two bookends on the work and i want them both there they're like guardrails i mean no matter how good we are I still want to just have those safety things there.
1: Sure. Uh, But to what extent? I mean, a a team that's operating in one of these sort of chaotic environments probably needs a pretty comprehensive checklist for their definition of ready. And they probably need some kind of management help to enforce that because there's so much inertia in the organization where people just throw stuff at each other without any any attempt to make it ready to work on. It's a difficult situation. And I think it really depends on where the organization is on this path towards yeah. agility.
0: But but even if so, let's say you start out and it's really chaotic, and, and there I would say like, for, as an example with definition of done, you need to make that list as detailed as you possibly can just to create clarity and you're, you know, you're going to miss a bunch of stuff. But once they mature, and they have a very detailed definition of done, I mean, the only way they got to that level of maturity was by, in, in my thinking, is to understand the depth of all that stuff. And until you turn over all those rocks, you're not going to know. It's when all the rocks are upside down, you're like, yeah, we don't need to worry about the rocks. Well, yeah, because you flipped them all over. Yeah, um,
1: exactly. Okay. It's like the organization earns the right to relax yeah. the genality. It's not okay. that you just instantly relax it. You, you but, have to still get the same result, but just so, in a, a lighter weight way.
0: So as a coach, as somebody who's still out there coaching, if, if somebody in the organization was making the case that, okay, we've done all that work, we can relax it now. To me, that's the part where I go, oh, no, 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 no. Now you push down even harder, um, which I guess maybe that's kind of where MJ was going with it. But I, I, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it's like the second you take your foot off the gas, that's the second you, you lose the race. Um, and I don't know if I, I get, well, I'm wanting to check in with you because I don't know if I'm being too project manager about it. I mean, do you think it's okay well, to ease I up don't there? Know,
1: just, a, just a different way of looking at it, I guess. Uh, to me, I, I like to look at things from the, through the lean lens, if you will. Okay. So all of this stuff is overhead. Yeah. If you think of it that way, customers do not come to a company and say, please let me pay you. So, that you can have a definition of ready for each team in your organization. (laughs) Right. You know, they don't care how the organization is structured. Yeah, yeah. They just want their product or their service. Yep. And they expect it to be done right. They expect it to comply with regulations. They expect it to be secure. They expect it to function correctly. They don't care how you do it. So, Mm -hmm. internally, there's an incentive for the organization to minimize the cost and effort and time of all these overhead activities. So when you're operating in the predictive emergent quadrant, you need a lot of overhead activity just to get anything done. Yeah. And little by little you can learn how to get things done more effectively and you can start to relax those rules. I I know I've talked about the Forrest Gump thing before it's like Forrest Gump's braces. Yep. There's a point in his life when he can't even stand up without yep. the braces. And then there comes a point where he needs to run. Yeah. And at that point, the braces are a hindrance yeah. and they fall away piece by piece. They don't just come completely off at once. As he starts running, they, they break apart little by little. I see this as kind of the same thing. Once a team or an organization or a part of an organization has learned how to achieve their goals in a more streamlined way than they used to, they can dispense with some of the formality. The formality well, yeah. that was helping them now becomes a hindrance.
0: Well, and now, your it's not... idea
1: of the checklist is still good, but I, I don't know about pushing down more. When I mean, you said as a coach, when they say, well, we've turned over all the rocks, now we don't need to worry about them. Your your uh, instinct is to say, oh, no, no, we have to push down harder. Um, My instinct there is to say, okay, try that. Yeah. Because by the time they're ready, by the time they even think that they're ready to do that, they've got metrics around everything. They've got a way to back up if they try an experiment and it doesn't work.
0: They already have
1: those mechanisms, right? So they can try that if they want. It won't destroy the organization if they try it.
0: That's kinda of what you I mean, said could, earlier, they've earned earned the, you know, the the right for that freedom. And I think to me it's they've earned a level of trust. But you know, you're talking about if we say they automated some of these processes or they've removed some of the waste from the system, so some of that stuff becomes kind of unnecessary. To me that's not that's not the same as them saying, Let's just not do it. That is well, we right. found it's a better a way to do it. We found a better way.
1: Yeah. Exactly. You have to have a better way. And, you know, as we go, as we help them get to base camp 2, we're starting to break dependencies. Yeah. And that's going to alleviate a lot of that, too. Yeah. If you have I mentioned before, a typical software development team doesn't even have visibility into the whole process, let alone control of it. So they have to control what comes to them so that they can act on it. Yeah. And they have to know what the next team needs so that they don't keep getting pushback once they get over that hump and things are operating smoothly, then they can think about changing the team structure to eliminate the dependencies. And now the teams, this newly structured team now has a a broader view of the value stream and more responsibility for different parts of delivery. And it can keep going that way until you really do have the canonical agile team, but it takes time.
0: Yeah. So, so one of the things that, um, that struck me about MJ's comment was comments were that I got the impression, and I probably need to check in with him on this, but he was looking at it like it's this hard line, like, you shall not pass unless all these things are true. And I guess I always think of it like, you know, however you're defining ready, it's a guideline, and it's meant to spur a conversation in the same way that everything else is. And if you find, you know, we don't need some of that stuff, then okay, at least you've talked about it as opposed to just blowing past it. Um, uh-huh. Do you agree with that, or is, am I kind of? Yes,
1: I agree okay. with that. The the okay. bookend metaphor, I think, uh, isn't quite as strong though.
0: Oh really? To me, okay.
1: Part of the definition of ready is the fact that you have a definition of done. So the yes. definition of done, the relationship between those two definitions is not like two equals. You know what I mean? The, the definition do. of done really drives everything
0: yeah, from I, your I, goal
1: I, backwards.
0: I do, but, I, and the I,
1: definition of ready has to be in part that okay, we have a definition of done. It doesn't have to say what that is, just yeah. that you have one.
0: To me, the way that I the way that I was thinking of, and maybe bookends isn't the right word, but um, there's one way of checking work before it enters the system, and there's one way of checking work before it exits the system, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the way, way that I was that. thinking of it. Um, yeah, bookends yeah, is like probably that. not the right the right word. Cool. So yeah, you're like not opposed to. You're not opposed to definition of ready. I'm not opposed to definition of ready. We're okay with that, right?
1: Well, be careful about binary language because that's what spurred my (laughs) article and all these comments is binary thinking. It's not like that. If you, any overhead activity that's necessary for you to achieve your goal, well, it's good in air quotes. It's good as long as you need it, but I hope you're trying to find a way not to need it anymore. Okay. So you're, you're continually trying to improve. You're not just locking into a bunch of practices and things like definition of ready or anything else, or even a time boxed iteration. To me, yeah. that's just a way to get better at things. Uh, in my experience, once a team gets to like a one week iteration, they don't need the iterations anymore. And then yeah. they start asking about it. If they're paying attention, they ask. I don't tell them. They say, "What are these iterations doing for us? That doesn't seem to do anything for us." And if they're right, then they're right. They don't need them. Same kind of thing for a formal definition of ready. That the need for that can diminish as teams improve.
0: So, so that, again, is us going back to the, it's not about process, it's about the intention behind it and how you use these different techniques to get better at what you're doing and to find ways to remove the waste and to kind of amp up your ability to deliver value, right?
1: That's, that's the way I think of it, yeah.
0: Cool. All right. I Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And, and especially for you explaining it in the context of the compass as well. Um, if, if people want to get in touch with you, Dave, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Oh, they can contact me at leading agile by email or they can look at twitter i'm dave nicolette on twitter those are probably the easiest ways
0: cool all right so thank you very much and if you enjoyed this podcast i'm going to do another podcast on this topic in the next couple of weeks with rick Austin. we're going to talk about how to actually create one of these so um make sure to check back for that and dave thanks a lot for taking time out of your day
1: no problem happy to do it cool